Live from the Coachella Valley, time for another hour of the desert scene. Art exhibitions to modernism, music festivals to live theater, big screen, little screen, and very little screen. This is the Culture Corner with Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. And we are back on the Culture Corner. We're now joined, I'm really excited to be chatting with Julie Montante, and I'm hoping pronouncing her last name right, who is the owner of the brand new 420 Bank and Lounge at 296 South Palm Canyon Drive. Uh, it's a great um, uh, uh, marijuana dispensary and lounge. It's beautiful, and they just had their grand opening the other day. Hi, Julie. How are you? Hi, Bonnie. How are you doing? Good. So um, so were you? Ha- how did the grand I was there just for a little while. Were you happy with the way the grand opening went? You know what? It was so amazing. I was so proud of the chamber and all the council people that came out. And, you know, it was just all the staff members. It was just blessed to see that the city stands behind you on something that's good for the people. Yeah. So tell me how long, how much red tape, how involved the process was it to get this place, get that, secure that location, get it up and running? So, Bonnie, the uh, building had stood vacant for 23 years, and uh, it had great bones when I looked at it. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Jim Stewart, who passed this December from COVID, mm-hmm. um, actually said, hey, come here, I, I have a great building I want you to look at. And I said, you know, I've always looked at this building, and I thought someday I would do something with it. I've been in the be- desert now for about 30 years. Mm-hmm. So... I looked at it, and it was nothing but junk on the inside and trash on the inside. And But I looked up at the ceiling, and I saw these beautiful beams and these beautiful glass as the roof. And it was like, yep, I already had the vision. I had the design already planned out. So from there, it took about a year and a half. And, you know, through COVID, we mm-hmm. had our construction team working on it. Um, and I could have actually opened earlier, but to what? I didn't really want to, you know, have any issues with COVID and I Mm want to make sure everybody felt safe. And I think we opened at a really great time. We had our, our opening on 420, which was amazing and beautiful and everything just went really well. Now it's 38,000 square feet, which is amazing. It's beautiful, nice big building. And it's now it's one of the largest in the United States. Is that true? Is it the largest? Um, actually, we are going. Uh, we, we've been um, um, interviewed by the uh, um, Guinness Book of World Records uh, for largest cannabis store and dispensary. Wow. And lounge, I should say. So, yeah, they're, they're, we're working on it. So we, we, gave the, we submitted everything, and now we're just waiting for them to come out. So we will make that will be our next uh, breaking news once once we get to that point. Okay, and so tell people so uh, you can come in. The, now you have you have this great stage and you have entertainment. You can have entertainment on a regular basis, correct? Yes, we have a stage on the inside. Uh, we're going to start next Tuesday. Jazz. We're going to have it's open to everyone. So we're going to have um, you know bingo. We're going to have um, drag bingo. We're going to have entertainment. Jeff Hawker will be providing an amazing amount of entertainment for us. We are also planning to try to get our uh, permit for outside music. Uh, I don't know if you were there late enough, but we had a band outside, and every the weather was just so beautiful. And you know, it's great to see people out again and see them happy and being, you know, 
taking all the distant measures that they needed to do and wearing their masks. Right. And um, it was just lovely to see everybody have a really good time. It really made my heart feel good. Yeah. I, was, I saw, we were there when Keisha D was in. So Keisha D was inside with Philly Joe Littell. They were fabulous. Keisha's a good friend. So that was fabulous oh, yeah. to see her. Um, and, you know, one of the things I like, just a shameless plug for myself, right in front of the fountain is my star. I have a star on the Palm Springs Walk of Stars, and it's right there in front of your building, in front of the fountain. I think that's awesome. And, you know, Keisha, we've been treating Keisha for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we also, uh, unfortunately, um, what's his name, just passed away, the musician. Oh, Pat Rizzo, um, Pat Rizzo. Pat Rizzo, yes. and I have been treating him for at least seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, with cannabis, don't ever think that cannabis, if people want an alternative, I have to tell you, cannabis is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it it's definitely so- works. Yeah, that's so great that, that more and more people are understanding that and it's losing its stigma. And people are really finding there have been, as I understand it, there's been so much research that it really is helpful for a lot of medical issues. Isn't that, isn't you know, that the case? You know what? The, yes, it is. And there's so many you know, mad scientists out there and people that have... have uh, played and, and, and I don't want to even say played have been scientifically behind this that you know all the there's government studies there's all kinds of studies I mean I've spoken to many different government agencies and people that um, you know they're doing their own testing and some are good and some are bad and mm-hmm. some are uneducated mm-hmm. so you know I've been in cannabis for over 20 years so for me I'm like the crazy witch doctor in a way <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I wonder what, uh, you know, for some people, I think the stigma is, for some people, I think it's just an old, stubborn mindset that they re- there's really no scientific basis for, and they can't even really give you a scientific basis for it, and it's just an old mindset that they can't get rid of. Is that what you found? You know, Bonnie, um, marijuana is a thistle. It is. It's grown naturally in the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a, a Native American plant, an herb like yarrow or any mm-hmm. of the others. And, you know, they just found the medicinal use for it. And then they've created strains. And you can know you can go buy your hybrids, your indicas, your sativas, ones that will put you, they say, in the couch. That's an indica, which will make you sleep. You have a sativa, which will keep you alert and energetic. And then you have your hybrid who keeps you basically balanced in the middle if you're off balance. Mm-hmm. So there's, and you know, then we carry the, we carry for pets as well. Lots of pets. I've, I've saved lots of pets along the way. And, you know, we also have um, not just the pets, but we have huge lines of, of CBD oils that mm-hmm. if you don't want to, uh, go into the THCs. We have uh, CBD, CBN, CBG. So we carry everything, and each one is a micron, micron from the other one. So it's more testing and more scientific analysis that has been going on with these products. Yeah, and uh, so tell people what what are your days and hours, and what there's procedure when you come in. You have to show ID. Tell people how that works. So basically, uh, anyone can come in that's 21 and over. You uh, check in at the front. We we take a screenshot of your picture, uh, mm-hmm. which which goes nowhere. But yeah. I mean, you know, we have to identify you. Right. And you come in, and I have uh, amazing bud tenders, knowledgeable bud tenders, that you tell them what your issues are, and they'll be able to direct you whether it's a cookie, an oil, a candy, a chocolate, an herb. 
a tincture, a, a, a salve. Uh, we have something for everything. I carry over 300 products. Wow. So this store is the biggest uh, array of different products that there that there is in the marketplace today. And and what are your hours? Are you open seven days a week? We're open seven days a week. Our hours are 10 to 8 during the week and then 10 to 9 on the weekends because we will have entertainment mm-hmm. as time progresses. And um, to next Tuesday, I believe we're starting jazz mm-hmm. uh, inside. And we'll have music outside. You know, uh, uh, we'll see how it goes with, with the way the weather is and right. everything else along the way. And now I, I noticed you have, and now I think you have, you can buy sodas and little snacky things, but not like, not like meals, food, correct? No, we have, no, no. We have vending machines that you're able to have mm-hmm. regular water, regular drinks, and mm-hmm. we have snacks. And then we also uh, have worked out a partnership with a village pub next door yeah. where you can order off their menu and they will bring it over to you. If you want to sit and lounge and watch TV or watch the band or do whatever you want to do, uh, we, you can stay as long as you want. You can do whatever you want. We don't really care. That's excellent. That's excellent. And Village Pub, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great partnership. So, um, uh, what, what, how I just for a moment, for the time we have left, how did you first get involved in in, in cannabis so passionately in cannabis for yourself? You know what? If, if people read anything about me, my mother had cancer way back when. I'm going back seventy some odd years and. She uh, developed cancer in her 40s, and I was always into acupuncture and herbal medicine. And my girlfriend was a grower, and she wanted to figure out how to get her product on the market or get it out there to help people. And, you know, about 20 years ago, I started illegally like everybody else, and uh, it was a great time of life. It was fun. It was uh, people got what they needed because they didn't want to take regular drugs and they didn't want to take chemo and they didn't mm-hmm. want to take radiation. Yeah. I mean, we had ice creams for people that had radiation that would actually heal the throat from all the burning that they used to have. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, now that our, our, our governing state doesn't allow that at the moment. So, you know, I started way back when, and then I was asked to become, I did a lot of um, uh, seminars uh, mm-hmm. for people, a lot of talks. And then uh, the city of Palm Springs said, hey, listen, if you go legal, you know, apply for a license. And I did. And Jenny Fote was a big, big supporter of mine when she saw me. And I was the first woman, the fourth license in Palm Springs um, after being uh, illegal in Thousand Palms, Cathedral City. Mm-hmm. You know, you just got to go where you got to go. And yeah. when you believe in something this strongly and you know it heals and helps people, my mission statement is that we have, um, you know, helped a lot of people. We help HIV. We help cancer. We help anyone with ailments. ailments. I work uh, alongside Joe Rosen with a um, Parkinson's. Yes. Yeah. So we, you know, we we help a lot of people. Anyone and anyone. We don't, you know, we don't sp- specify to anyone any gender or anything. We are open to all. 
Well, that's fabulous. And, you know, I was just going to say for people that still, I mean, I'm so glad that people are becoming educated about it. But uh, at least from what I understand, no one's ever died of a marijuana overdose, at least as I know. Yeah. I mean, in some of these other, you know, pharmaceuticals and some of this other stuff, you can't say that about. Um, So, all right. 420 Bank. It's a beautiful building. Even if you're not a a cannabis partaker, it's a great building. You really should go check it out because it's just really amazing. Architecture. Bonnie, we have lots of uh, games. We mm-hmm. have an arcade. We have pool tables. We have chess. So a lot of people can enjoy whatever they want if they just want to sit and get out of the sun for a while as well. Yeah, and it. By the way, it again. It is at uh, two nine six South Palm Canyon Drive, which is the corner of. Um, Palm Canyon and Baristo and it's a really cool building and well congratulations to you on uh, thank did, you did this is this were you are you surprised that you got to this point in this beautiful building at this point or would you had you hoped this happened sooner or are you kind of amazed at the whole thing you know what I when I saw the building I knew exactly what I was going to do I designed it a year and a half ago and I'm just really thrilled the way it came out um, and I, just, I, I I'm just in love with the building and you know it's it's just a vision that I have. I wanted to take uh, marijuana to a new elevation. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to see that we're not we're not hidden in little stores, and we're not hidden behind. You know, we're not hidden from the public anymore, right. and we're part of the system now. Yes, excellent. Well, congratulations. Can, can, great. And if anybody had any questions, Bonnie, can I give you the number? Real quick, yes. Seven six zero three one eight six eight seven seven. If you have any questions, all right. Four twenty bank. Julie Montante. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Excellent job. Thank you so much, Bonnie. All thank right. you. We'll be back with more okay. Culture Corner just a bit. The curtain rises on local and regional arts and entertainment. From music to theater, films to fine art, it's The Culture Corner. Get connected. Call 760-544-TALK. That's 760-544-8255. Here's Bonnie and Brian on iHub Radio. On this segment, we're going to talk about, we're going to try something new. It's called This Day in Pop Culture or React to, well, the last couple day, the last couple days. So starting from the twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, the what happened during those days in pop culture? What's yes. the important time? Tell us. So in nineteen seventy seven, Annie opens on Broadway on April twenty first, nineteen seventy seven. Wow. Uh, this brought uh, Annie. For those of you who actually know this musical, it's based on the Howard Gray comic strip Little Orphan Annie. And other than that. It it was very loosely based, and like, it ran for a long time. Didn't oh it? yes, I think it, it ran until 1983, so about wow. 78, se- <laughs> five five years, five years. That's right a nice there. long run. Yeah. And then it got revived in 1997, and the 1997 review revival was, you know, I don't know if you remember, notoriously, n- notoriously riddled with controversy. Do you remember what happened in? No. Remind me. So in 1997, when the Annie play was revived, there was a contest on ABC for the 
girl who plays Annie. Mm-hmm. But what had happened was that they had initially picked one girl. And then they decided halfway through the production because the girl got sick through the previews and all that. Mm-hmm. They decided to drop her, even though she got rave reviews. Mm-hmm. And they brought in her. They brought in one of the orphans, not her, not her understudy, but one of the orphans, and they groomed her to be the next Annie. And mm-hmm. so there was a whole controversy about the girl being replaced. And it actually, because of that, because a lot of people were invested because of the contest through a mm-hmm. Good Morning America, they the the sales dipped Mm. the the sold out show became a flop Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people remember that show being that that part being a disaster because they felt that that little girl joanna mccurdy deserved that annie Mm -hmm. spot in that she should have never been replaced now i know the the first broad the first broadway it was andrew mccardle right yeah and i know somewhere along the line uh, Sarah Jessica Parker played Annie at some point, and I don't remember where in the where in the in the eighties. Like okay. she was the third Annie. Okay, and so later on, like Annie got made into a movie in mm-hmm. nineteen eighty two, which was the year before it closed down on Broadway, and the show was nominated for eleven Tony Awards and mm-hmm. and won seven. And then later on, Annie was remade into a movie in nineteen ninety nine, and then again in two thousand fourteen. So three adaptations on mm-hmm. film. And two revivals, because another one was yeah. in 2012, yeah. and that got a lot of love. Okay. And another thing that happened on in pop culture, the Space Needle opens on April 21st, 1962. In Seattle. Seattle. Wow. And another thing that happened in 1986 for April 21st, Geraldo Rivera opens Al Capone's <laughs> vaults and finds nothing. Nothing. I remember that. <laughs> and I remember that. That was, God, a big scandal at the time. <laughs> It was one of those things where it's like, you, I, the, I, for me, the funniest thing looking back at it, it's just Gerardo's, Gerardo's face yeah. and seeing his yeah. utter disappointment because he thought that was going to be the big, yeah. the big story. Gerardo, God bless him. I mean, <laughs> there, I used to like him, but he's kind of done some dumb stuff over the years, and yeah. And, anyway, and it's just. <laughs> It's just it's if you don't like Gerardo Rivera, you look up that clip sometime and you'll have you <laughs> have your chuckle, yeah. Have your chuckle at his expense. What else? On April twenty second, which was yesterday, in eighteen sixty four, America got uh, there was a minting of the of the two cent coin with the Coinage Act. So America did have a two cent coin for a brief while, and it. I sent- don't even remember that really oh yeah it was like 1864 so it's like mm. way before uh, uh, anyone's yeah okay time. <laughs> I, mean, I don't even remember ever hearing about it though and you know and then the next year and then the next year they started put in god we trust on the coins so it sort of became like the coin it was part of this like it was part of an act where the uh, the coinage act where they allowed la- the federal law made the two cent coin along with the in God we trust being imprinted on them. So it's a process, mm-hmm. kind of like how the Harriet Tubman twenty dollar bill is a process that yeah. when are they going to release that is now is sort of the joke. Yeah. And in two and April twenty second two thousand and twelve, the television series Veep premiered with Julie uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus. She has won over the course of its seven years. It was not. It won um, six Emmy. It actually won a lot of awards, but mm-hmm. six Emmys in particular went to Julia Louis-Dreyfus. <laughs> That's a lot of Emmys, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she actually was the first person and possibly the only person to break the Seinfeld curse, the curse that meant that if you were on Seinfeld, you weren't going to be so successful afterwards. Huh. I'd never heard that. And there was also in 1985, uh, today actually, 
new Coke is put on store shelves. So if <laughs> your face, like you remember new Coke? <laughs> I yeah, I never liked it. Well, I, I mean, I got luckily in, about five years ago, I got off Coke and Pepsi totally. I used to I used to because it's really not good for you. It's not good for your throat if you're a voice actor. But new Coke, I never liked new Coke. Now, New Coke was actually meant to replace the old formula Coca-Cola because it wasn't doing so well, but it was actually a failure because it turns out, well, people like the old one, old the old <laughs> one, and don't yeah. want you to touch their formula. Yeah. And it's not, and it's it's one of considered one of the legendary forgotten failures. beverages, yeah, beverages and failures. And then it did come back in 2019. Okay, it came back because it was a part of a promotion with Stranger Things, a TV show that takes place in the 80s. So they had an episode where they talk about new Coke and old Coke. Yeah. So it was all a big commercial for that, yeah. but it's wonderful. All right, I love this segment, Brian. We got to do this every week. We got to do it. All right, we'll be back with more on the Culture Corner in just a bit. Listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Live from the desert cities of Southern California, here's Brian and Bonnie. And we're back on the Culture Corner, and so happy now to welcome to the show James Botan. I'm sure I get that right. I'm sorry, my my bad on the pronunciation. He's the youth music director and conductor for the Buddy Rogers Youth Symphony. Hi, James. How are you? Hi there, how are you doing? Good, so you got a big event coming up. So um, i just going to read a little bit of this. The L.A. Phil affiliates in the desert have partnered with Coachella Valley Symphony and the Buddy Rogers Youth Symphony to present a Zoom salon on Tuesday, April 27th, 5 p.m. So tell us a little bit about this. This sounds really like a great event. Yeah, it is. I'm really excited for it. First of all, I have to say, you got my name perfectly, so okay. no no worries there. That was absolutely right. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited for this event. It is um, the LA Phil Affiliates. Uh, they're an organization that is partnered or runs through the Los Angeles Philharmonic that works to kind of give exposure or give uh, more outreach opportunities to local community orchestras and other uh, other organizations. And we were really happy to be able to uh, have an event with them. So it's we're going to be talking about the, you know, the, the well, my history of the um, of with the organization, which has been relatively new. There's some fun stories there. Our music director John Mario is uh, is a crack up, and we're going to have sure certainly going to be having a great time as well. And so you're um, featuring some uh, uh, musical selections from some artists. So Aaron Shen, a vi- violinist, John Mario, music director and conductor, and and yourself also. Are, are you going to be performing as well? Yes, we're going to be playing because, you know, we've all been doing this on Zoom for such a time now. We've we've learned the best way to uh, maybe share music. Sometimes on Zoom is not necessarily live, so we're going to be playing uh, pre-recorded selections one of the of the Coachella Valley Symphony um, with John Mario conducting. And uh, I think I'm in the percussion section back there as well. Uh, and in the concert we did last year, Aaron Shen is uh, playing. We're going to be playing a trio with other youth um, members that are like the rising stars of the Buddy Rogers uh, Youth Symphony, and that also play in Coachella Valley. Um, and then I will be sharing a video of a marimba solo that I recorded um, in October of this year. 
Okay, and so tell us, I'm looking at some of the background. So Aaron, Aaron Shen, uh, she started as a musician and violinist in Buddy Rogers when she was eight. So can you tell us a little bit more about her? Yeah, Aaron has been a huge help to me um, since I've only been part of the organization for about a year and a half now. Um, and the way it works is that she, she came up through the group, right? She started young and then she played in the Buddy Rogers String, or the, excuse me, the Buddy Rogers Youth Symphony until then she graduated, not from high school even. She was um, playing in the, she started playing in the Coachella Valley Symphony, the adult orchestra, when she was uh, still in high school. Uh, as, as many of our, our youth, our, uh, like our youth that progress um, uh, quickly and strongly, they, they oftentimes do. So it's really kind of a feeder group to the um, to the Coachella Valley Symphony, but uh, th- so that allows there kind of be this you know cross pollination between you know because I my other role with the um, with the with the symphony is also assistant conductor of the Coachella Valley Symphony. So there's this nice sort of like community base that happens between the two orchestras. Um, and so what what I actually started doing with with Erin in the recent year is that since she was kind of a graduate of the Buddy Rogers Symphony, then plays in the uh, CV Symphony. Then I was kind of using her as my like student helper, um, mm. or stu- I should, uh, you know, like a teaching assistant almost um, when we were doing Buddy Rogers Symphony rehearsals. And I could rely on her to uh, help the younger kids, and like she would make everyone feel really comfortable. And then we would be able to kind of streamline rehearsals even better. So she's been a huge help, super um, enthusiastic human being and a great player okay super and john mario i'm looking at the music director and conductor for the coachella symphony was previously principal tour conductor for jackie ivanko's during with me and songs of the silver screen tour so tell us a little bit more he sounds pretty impressive too <laughs> john mario is a riot john and i met well i won't give too much away because we're actually going to tell we're planning on telling the story of how we met and how i got involved with the symphony on tuesday okay. as part of the salon so you're gonna have to come back okay to, <laughs> to hear hear that but it is a riot and um yeah, John has worked uh, with uh, with singers like quite substantially, and that whether that's opera or with the Jackie Vancho tour, um, and his his energy on the podium is is this sort of like how do I say? It's like a cyclone. It just draws you in, mm-hmm. right? And it, you you see it in rehearsal. Everyone's smiling, laughing, but we're still working, yeah. right? Um, and it's just this really motivational, inspiring energy that he brings to every really every interaction. Excellent. Now, to you, t- you were saying earlier that you're a little bit new to the symphony. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you came into this position. Yeah, well, I'm a little bit new to conducting, to be honest. I, um, my background in, as a musician is a, being a percussionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been playing in orchestras my entire life. I, I was, when I was younger, I started out to be a timpanist, uh, which I always attribute to why I eventually became a conductor, because the... Um, the requirements are very similar, right? You have to know a lot of the parts. You know, I need to know what pitches that the bass section has so I can tune my drums and that right so I'm not flat or sharp. You know, I need to be able to, I, I help the conductor as the timpanist because I give the, the, the punctuation to large notes, right? So uh, I, I worked as a percussionist for most of my life. And then a couple of years ago, I was um, doing my doctorate at UC San Diego in, in San Diego, in La Jolla, and I was on the shuttle on the bus, and I happened to sit next to sit down next to someone who was um, going to a faculty meeting to decide who would be the next conductor of the wind ensemble at UC San Diego, mm-hmm. and I just started striking up conversation with this faculty. I didn't never I met her that day, just kind of talking on the bus, 
And she said, well, I don't know. We're trying to figure out who should do this because it was a graduate student position at the time. And I said, well, I, I mean, I've never done, I've never conducted, but I'll give it a shot. And that was, you know, three years ago. And now I, I only conduct, essentially. <laughs> so wow. It kind of happened. And then, uh, and then, yeah, and then we got involved with the Coachella Valley Symphony. And here we are. Uh, so tell us a little bit about, um, well, to, the, let's talk about the Buddy Rogers um, uh, Youth Symphony, first of all. How many members are in it? What are the age ranges? Do you have auditions every year? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, we accept um, pretty much right now we've actually expanded. There are two groups now. There's the Buddy Rogers uh, sim- uh, Youth Symphony, and there's also the Buddy Rogers String Orchestra. And what we actually did last year before the pandemic uh, hit was we had a, was a grant program that we were selected for that we were able to purchase instruments, string instruments for students to rent um, free of charge. Mm-hmm. And what that did was it allowed, it gave access to, for a lot more people to start learning strings and uh, violin, viola, cello. And so that started our, um, our string orchestra. So our numbers are actually in flux right now because we've, uh, we saw an in, we've rented out every single instrument that we, I think there were maybe 25 Mm-hmm. I might don't quote me on the number, okay. um, but then also in the so we have that in the beginning orchestra and then in the Buddy Rogers group. Um, this year we had about fourteen, fifteen students um, that were also playing winds and strings. So combined, that's over 30, 30 kids in our in our group. And in 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 a normal season when we don't have a virus, <laughs> how many? How often does the uh, youth orchestra perform normally? Perform uh, well. It's I didn't really get a chance to do what I wanted to because of all this. But in my in my perfect world, we would perform uh, twice. Um, once in the like, if we go on the semester schedule in the fall semester, I would like to do two, uh, and then in the spring, I'd like to do two as well. Kind of like a you know like a Halloween and a and a you know winter, and then a sort of spring, and then you know mid June or early June summer performance. And we did. We were on track to do those. Uh, last year so when you when you came here to to the desert were you i mean i have always found i'm a singer and an actor stage actress in addition to doing the show that the valley coachella valley is very actually the audiences are pretty sophisticated and 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 really respect and love the arts and i have found the audiences here amazingly receptive have you found that as well Oh yes, I mean I love I love our concerts because I love going out in the middle of the in, during intermission and just and just chatting with people because everybody's there because they love it and they want to be there. Um, and like I like I said, John Mario's energy in every in every situation always makes for enticing conversation at, at the intermission. So I love hanging out with our our um, our audience during and, and also after the show. But as a percussionist, I'm also moving stuff. So usually I get it in the intermission. Yeah. And also, uh, now, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that both the youth uh, orchestra and the Coachella Symphony, to some degree, rely on donations to keep running? Oh, yes. I think that you could say that about really pretty much every orchestra, mm-hmm. especially in this country, especially community orchestras. It's one of those things where, uh, and I've actually been thinking about this a lot recently as we are starting to hear rumors of reopening and starting to try again um, in the fall that even though we're, it is very promising, these sorts of organizations, especially ours, um, we are going to be relying on those sorts of things um, even more now. So any sort of 
any sort of help that we can get from the community is going to keep us going and keep us bringing music to our audience. Yeah, and I'm also reading about the Coachella Symphony itself, 50, 50 plus piece orchestra. Um, they perform a mm-hmm. number of times throughout the year. And, uh, uh, and let's see, in 1993, through the tireless efforts of Jeanette Benozzi, and who I believe we interviewed at one point back when, uh, founded it. So you're still rolling. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, especially, you know, and given that with the pandemic, arts, the arts have been suffering a lot. Um, you know, have you guys stayed stayed positive and kept morale up during all this? Well, I mean, the one positive thing about the pandemic with regards to this orchestra is I've been able to um, really get to know the, the board of directors and the committee, um, the different committees that the orchestra has. We have meetings every month on Zoom and have had for the last year or so. Uh, and as we've been planning, of course, we, we have not been able to meet for rehearsals or have concerts for the adult orchestra um but we've been we've been pivoting and making sure that we have a plan for when we can and we're doing the best we can i can say with the buddy rogers group though i was able to turn the whole thing around uh and make a virtual component that has uh been happening weekly for this the whole past season so we the buddy rogers symphony uh, and the the string orchestra um have been operating still just in a virtual context. Mm-hmm. And what's uh, uh, in, a, in a perfect world, let's say in the fall, everything's reopened and, and back to normal. Uh, do you have do you have some other big uh, projects percolating in the back of your mind for uh, upcoming seasons? Oh, I honestly with the with the Buddy Rogers group, I just want to get us all in the same room. Yeah, I just want I want that first note. I want that even the tuning note will bring a tear to my eye. I believe because. That is what we're all missing, and, and I, I keep in touch as much as I can with the members, um, as you know, virtually as, as best you can, and, and you can really tell that it's, it's it's wearing on, especially the kids, especially the high school kids, right? And this is tough. So honestly, I'm just looking at that. There are a couple other projects I have um, with other you know other organizations that are like very hopeful. I am actually conducting in the summer a different a summer orchestra outside of mm-hmm. a string ensemble. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, but I honestly, I just want to see whatever we, I just want to get back to a rehearsal. Like yeah. it's just, those are the best times, you know? Absolutely. All right. So again, it's a showcase of young emerging musicians, uh, LA Phil affiliates in the desert with Coachella Valley symphony and buddy Rogers youth symphony. It's a zoom salon on Tuesday, April 27th, 5 PM, uh, for zoom registration, they can contact Coachella Valley symphony at gmail.com. So if they want to take part in this or, or view this, that's what they would do. Yes, everyone, need, you need to register ahead of time. I don't think there's a cap, um, but it is good to know that you have a spot as soon as you have it. So, yeah, register for that. That's the link. That's where you go, and it would be great to have as many people in there. I and mean, you can learn the stories of, of how we all are doing this. Excellent. Well, uh, James Botan, say that again, Youth Music Director, thank you so much. What a wonderful event. Great way for the, uh, the kids and everybody to get the music out and for us to enjoy it. Thank you so much for your for your work and uh, look forward to that event. And thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll be back with more in the Culture Corner in just a bit.
You're listening to Bonnie Gilgallen and Brian Mendoza talking arts and entertainment on iHub Radio's The Culture Corner. Here are Bonnie and Brian. On this final segment of The Culture Corner, we're going to go ahead and talk about a couple of positive news to Yay. end the show with. So LeVar Burden, starting on July 26th to the 30th, is going to be guest hosting Jeopardy. Excellent. And along with that, a couple other people are going to be guest hosting as well. Robin Roberts, George Stephanopoulos, David Faber, and Joe Buck. Joe Buck. Why do I, I know the name and I can't remember why I know the name. Is he a sports guy? Is he a country music guy? I can't remember. You know, every time I heard, when I, I think that Joe, I think Joe Buck is like, uh, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember who that is. I think he is a sports guy. I know he's a name. sports announcer. Okay. He's a sports right. announcer. Okay. And but every time I hear the name Joe Buck, I keep thinking, oh, the main character from Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other David Faber. Is he, isn't he an actor? I I don't recall him either. Right off the top of my head, he's a journalist. Journalist. David okay. Faber is a journalist for CNBC. Okay. All right. And the one curious thing about Levar Burden's. Uh, inclusion in this list because they put out a tweet for this for season 37 LeVar Burden's name is the only one that got an exclamation mark on it on the tweet so a lot of people are curious are really curious about why that is and the other thing is that LeVar Burden's the one that everyone's been pushing people for. like wrote in there's a write-in campaign for him I think oh yeah a write-in yeah. campaign a petition and they and they felt and a lot of people are saying that LeVar Burden himself should be the permanent host so there's sort of this like arc towards it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so Jeopardy for me the exciting thing about Jeopardy is who is going to be the permanent guest mm-hmm. uh, 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 permanent host for it now the hosts you've seen which ones have been your favorite so far uh, well right now um, Anderson Cooper is doing it this weekend and I think he's fabulous he's at the top of my list I thought um, uh, what's his name Aaron Rodgers did, did a really nice job and I like LeVar Burton of course I haven't seen him do this yet but I mean I know I've seen him do other stuff so uh, I'm going to say yeah, but I think I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be too busy doing other stuff. So I'm I'm going to go my top two. I think are gonna, are Anderson Cooper and probably LeVar Burton. Probably. Yeah, I think LeVar Burton's going to do yeah. really good. I think Robin Robin uh, Robin Roberts is going like to do her. really good I like too. Her. George Stephanopoulos, I think he'll be good too. But I feel like for the most part of the ones that we've that are coming up, I think LeVar Burton's the one that most likely will be the one that will be great at it mm-hmm. not to say that the other ones won't be great well he did the reading rainbow thing so he's always done, had that educational side to him yeah. and that experience yeah. and i think that he's always sort of perceived as a very wholesome right. type and very of likable i don't think anybody i can't i've never heard anybody say they didn't like him i mean he's just a, a good actor and seems very likable oh yeah and yeah. And even then, even decades after Roots, he's only he only did two out of the eight episodes. But the fact that he's still the so face, so memorable, yeah. He's still the face of that movie. It it's remarkable how LeVar Burton has this like really unique legacy of being on Star Trek and mm. being on Roots and reading Rainbow. And the other thing is, and I like him. It wouldn't matter if he were green or purple, but I think also I think he's fabulous, and I think he's doing a great job. But I think. If they chose him, uh, I think it would be just one more step having an African-American man hosting Jeopardy. Just one more step of inclusion that is good for us right now. Oh, yeah. And the fact that 
even um, Alex Trebek, mm-hmm. he even wanted a black woman, woman who right. unfortunately passed away yeah. a couple of weeks ago, would have wanted a black woman mm-hmm. to be the lead because mm-hmm. I think he's one of those people that he is able to spot talent in places that people aren't looking. Might not have looked, yeah. And LeVar Burden is certainly one of those people that has um, certainly overcome a lot of barriers to get to where he is, and mm-hmm. it's great. And honestly, <laughs> if um, I think Jeopardy would benefit a lot from a from mm-hmm. LeVar Burden. So mm-hmm. we'll ho- hopefully we'll see where it goes. And you're right, it would be a very progressive step forward, mm-hmm. especially considering that on game shows, it's a, it's primarily a space where like a lot of like white men are the the But the now hosts Anderson of it. Cooper is gay, so that would be th- that would be that inclusiveness. Oh, um, yeah. So I think yeah, I of all the people mentioned, all the people that we've seen the, uh, those two are in my top those are my top two. Oh yeah and I think that having a, a variety of different hosts you know even if they end up with someone who is like a white straight man at least what they did was that they opened up like the field to give different types of people and, and voices. And got responses from people got feedback from people of who yeah. like to and so, why you know. And so it's a f- it would be a much more fair decision mm-hmm. on that end rather than just, just pick somebody. Pick yeah. somebody you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm-hmm. but I wanted to end the show on a f- yes. very good note so Shaq Shaquille O'Neal I like him now he's one of I think he's one of the more likable he cracks me up his (laughs) commercials crack me up his smile he's just so goofy and it's just a one he's a great basketball player but he's like you said such a charismatic soul Mm -hmm. so what he did was that he went out shopping he he ran into a stranger at a jewelry shop Tuesday and he decided to make that man's day by paying off his engagement ring that he had on layaway so the young man actually had asked the clerk hey how much money do I owe you Mm -hmm. Um, how much money is left on Mm -hmm. the payments and so Shaquille O'Neal said went up to him and passed his credit card over to the employee and actually paid off the engagement wow, good ring. good for him. And it's, it, I think it's a really sweet gesture and yes. I think that in a lot of ways I've always talked to my friends about how sometimes I wish that it, it I, sometimes I wish that people who would do, let's say who have a lot of money would not just donate to charity but actually help out people that are in their everyday individual lives. people you yeah. aren't expecting it or working hard yeah yeah and yeah. like charities in my opinion they're great but it's different when you like to one person and just shocked out of the blue yeah and it's it's wonderful in my opinion yeah and i think that shaquille o'neal just shows just shows you what kind of person he is like the mm-hmm. fact i've seen interviews with him where you look at him and it's like this man is the same man that he was when he wasn't famous. Like mm-hmm. when he wasn't famous and rich, mm-hmm. he has not changed. In fact, he's probably become the, he's, he's become the person he's always going to be, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even without money. But didn't, but didn't let fame and, and money change him. And a lot of people do, sadly. No, oh, yeah. And I, I've seen a lot of like, funny enough, I've seen a lot of like people that were not so famous like they were underground actors and then they became like super famous and then you start to see them and it's like oh they used to be so nice it's gone to their head yeah it's gone to their head but in the case of Shaquille O'Neal I I've 
I've, I've heard some really positive things. Another thing I heard about was that he actually helped a stranded driver on a Florida highway after they crashed. Like mm-hmm. this driver crashed mm-hmm. and he helped them out. Yeah. I don't know much more than that, but it just seems like he's an overall yeah. really good guy. And the thing I love about some of the commercials he does, Icy Hot and whatever else, is he, you can tell he doesn't take himself seriously. He can laugh at himself and laugh at his persona and just joke around. And that's great. I love to see that. Yeah. And, I, and it's great to see. And, and the fact that he even makes fun of his own height. Yeah. And he makes uh, just one of those people He's that. He's like a down to earth real guy. And yeah. I would like to meet him one day just because, again, like you said. Okay, Shaq. If you happen to be in Bomb Springs, you happen to be listening to the Culture Corner, we'd love to get you on. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? That would be so awesome. Yeah. But that's that's a wrap on this episode of the Culture Corner. Thank you to our guests. Stay safe out there. Get your vaccination. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Mm-hmm.